It's Sunday, May 23rd, 2010, and you're listening to the Option Key webcast. This is the Option Key webcast. Stuff on Google. PC. Brad, you got Vista 64 yet? His router's piece of garbage on. five years and i bet you so yours will be better right now for rendering but the i7 will be i have here bonnie from just a geeky girl blog and dion my regular co-host for option key webcast that everyone like loves to hear our banter for mac and pc uh linux versus windows uh banter so but unfortunately we're not doing that today hi bonnie hi dion Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, so, on the agenda today, we have uh, Facebook privacy violations, uh, the new MySpace uh, privacy policies, along with Google's. Uh, we'll touch a little bit on the DMCA and the ACTA, which are uh, an international and a uh, domestic. Uh, legislation that wants to get passed and then if we have any time we'll quickly touch on uh, the uh, Google I.O. conference and uh, some of the things that came out of there so uh, let's begin Bonnie you've been uh, leading the charge here to get people off uh, Facebook <laughs> I have yeah, that wasn't actually my intention. My initial intention was just to uh, just get my friends at least educated on the subject. And as things have unfolded over the past few weeks, I guess, yes, I have gone from trying to um, share information to campaigning and all-out <laughs> delete Facebook. Well, I don't uh, blame you. I've... Uh also been telling people not to post things on Facebook unless they uh, you know really don't care about their privacy or right. you know, don't mind being marketed to uh, to every extent of their life and the fact that you lose any uh, you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for you lose any ownership of anything that you post on Facebook I find right. it's a really big issue yes Yes, definitely. I um, I think there are so many other social networks that we can take advantage of that don't require a real name, um, don't require any personal information whatsoever. And I think if if we are to really take a stand on privacy, those are the social networks that we need to lean toward. Um, the only voice in this instance is going to be a voice of silence, I think, by so many people deleting their account, that's what has put this issue on the front and center. 
And there's no need for it when there's so many other social networks out there and some in development as we speak as well. Yeah. Um, the latest <laughs> one that's uh, being... Uh, well, I should say there's a new project, uh, open project, that's uh, being developed right now and uh, large donations are going to it, uh, one called Despora. That's right. And it looks quite promising. Um, it does. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry for my cold. It does. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because there is a just a titch of a misconception about that project. Um, there is actually two. There's Dysporia, but there's also Whisper. Have you heard of Whisper? Yeah, actually, I was uh, checking it out. Uh, I was going to yeah. bring it up after we talked a little bit about Dysporia, but we may as well talk about both of them at the same time. Well, the difference in, in the two, I think, is prevalent because Dyspora is going to be, you're going to be a, need to be a little tech savvier than the average user to use it, or at least at this point, I, I'm getting that impression. Um, you know, the, the hardware would be on your own computer and your data would be stored on your own computer, which is fabulous. And I, I will definitely... Um, take advantage of that and probably participate with it and I have donated to it but I'm thinking of my my son my brother my mother <laughs> the average user who really won't probably be inclined to put that much effort um, of of purchasing the software product and then probably at very best I'm assuming they're going to have some kind of templates but you're still going to have to be a little computer savvy to to utilize it where I think that's where it verses with Whisper and that it's going to be more like Facebook. The template is there. It's it's uniformed. You put in a username and, and bam, um, you're part of it and you don't have to do anything fancy or special and you don't have to be savvy to use it. So I'm glad that there are the two that are coming up and up and because um, – I don't really think that Dysphoria is going to be user-friendly for a lot of folks. Well, that depend That remains to be seen. I mean, it's, um, you know, there's not a lot that's going on with it right now. I mean, it's literally basically just gotten started a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. More or less. And, you know, uh, I think uh, depending on what they do, uh, you could possibly see some Adobe Air apps for uh, that kind of thing. Like CSMIC has. Yeah, something uh, like that. Uh, yeah. Just a matter of, uh, you know, what it is that they're going to do. Yeah, it is still very much in the air, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, uh, I, like I have considered closing my Facebook account but uh because i'm trying to do the whole you know webcasting thing podcasting thing you can't exactly just take yourself off facebook there's too big an audience there until you know enough people get switched over turn off of it to just shut it down well i think uh, a big thing with the facebook too isn't isn't so much the privacy issues themselves it's how facebook is going about it Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, it should be an opt-in program. It should be something that's up front, not something that they just change. And, and a lot of people have difficulty even just finding the settings, you know, where you can opt out or 
you know, hide hide your your profile information. Uh, you know, this could do a lot of damage to Facebook's rep in the long run. And I think it already has. <laughs> it, it it has. I mean, but I mean, a lot of people, you know, the less savvy people, like I think of you know my parents and you know maybe some siblings, some you know friends and family, whatever that aren't as tech savvy. They're not even hearing this on the news that much. Uh, it is out there, but it's more online news. So, no, you're you're absolutely right. That I like I said it earlier. That was my initial intention was to get this information to um, my friends and family and folks who I knew were not into this. Were not on the internet reading news and and such. And that is the problem. That and that is it. Right in a nutshell that Facebook is taking advantage, full advantage, that most of these users are putting their full trust in their system. They aren't reading. They aren't up on these kinds of things. And they believe that Facebook is being um, upfront and trustworthy. And they're being exactly opposite of that. They intentionally um, make the settings convoluted and uh, frustrating and, you know, in, in some cases impossible to find. And in, and they just keep getting away with it because people are just so ill-informed on these things. And that is what needs to be changed. But frankly, if Facebook were to give themselves an absolute overhaul and be as simple as Twitter tomorrow... I still would not go back because I have zero trust in them now. I don't think they can repair that, at least not with me. Well, looking at it from Facebook's point of view, like what what are they having to gain here? I mean, the biggest thing I can think of is that uh, advertising deal they have with Microsoft for the uh, advertising in Facebook that was done like a, a year or two ago. I, would, I can only imagine now with the Yahoo Microsoft online ads perhaps that's the whole intention of this right is to to have more directed advertisements in facebook like is is that their end game or have you guys heard anything else as to why facebook hasn't said a lot about this and why they're continuing on with it i believe it has to do with that advertising and monetizing uh facebook uh facebook has to find a way to make money uh, the way it's set up right now, if they went to a subscribe a subscription system, they'd probably lose probably three quarters of their user base. And so, by keeping it, you know, relatively free and having targeted advertising, you know, they're thinking that, uh, you know, they can get a lot more. Uh, well, they'll get a lot more money for the information that they can hand advertisers if they can hand them very specific information, which, you know, isn't what people want. I mean, they want, they don't want you to know that, you know, every Saturday they go drink themselves to excess and that kind of thing. So when on, uh, you know, then when you log in, Saturday before you go out, going to have a big advertisement for some sort of bar or something in your area, you know? Yeah, seems, I agree. Um, but it seems to me that, uh, as you, as you said, um, the way Facebook went about this, because on April 21st, they had an open, um, 
convention. I an with emergency meeting, I'd like to call it. Well, well, it was prior to that. It was the meeting they had with their advertisers to introduce the open social web, the concept of the open graph, and how it was going to benefit them, the advertisers. We, the users, on that same day, Microsoft, Pandora, and Yelp, um, were given an open invitation into Facebook and to our data. We, as the users, did not know a thing about it. And why didn't they say anything then either? Facebook has never been upfront with their users. They have never been open to communicate with their users. It has always been a relationship between them and their advertisers. What they give to their users in terms of Farmville and the wall, and there's so much addiction in Facebook. That's what's in it for the users. And they are so caught up in that that they aren't <laughs> seeing the whole picture, that there is no benefit to the user with this open graph. It makes it easier for the businesses to map data. Certainly makes it more money for Facebook. But for the user, there is no advantage. No. there. Well, the advantage for the user is you <coughs> get to Sorry. connect with uh, people that you haven't connected with in a long time. Uh, oh, no. I mean, in terms of the open graph, what is, oh, yes. what is the benefit? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, in terms of open graph, there's absolutely no advantage for the user. Right. And that's why I think they've been so quiet about it because they did it underhandedly. They did it sneakily. <laughs> they slipped it in in the night. Um, nobody knew about it, nor do we ever know about it, when they change their settings. Um, that was just so sneaky. And to have all those settings that would have you open it to the open graph um, set to everyone was so arbitrarily done. Um, that's where they went wrong. They They should have never done that. They should have introduced that concept um, in theory well before they even did this and let the users wrap their heads around it and they should have never opted people in. Um, if they had have done this in a way that was respectful at all to the users, it, it might not be this bad right now, but I'm sure I can't be the only one that it's, it's, it's about principle too and I feel that I was used and taken advantage of, and the trust is just so completely gone now. This isn't the first time that Facebook has done trust, you know, like non-trustworthy things. This was just uh, the straw on the camel's back, you know? Yeah, it uh, reminds me a bit of what happened with uh, Google and uh, Buzz, though uh, people seem to be much more easily forgiving of Google. Uh, than of uh, Facebook, though, mind you, with uh, Google Buzz, I guess the uh, information leak isn't as bad. As, well, there isn't as much information leak as there is with Facebook. Well, well see, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I was just say, well, I mean, Facebook is is all what you make it, right? Like some people live by Facebook, and some people check it weekly it's you know the information you put on there is is only as much as the information you put on there i mean some people choose to share everything on facebook others don't and 
you know, I guess it's the general rule of, of going online. You only put things online that you're willing to share with the world, right? Like, you know, Yes, but, you know, yeah. but Facebook, you have to give them real information to even sign on. And, and that is uh, just in the last couple of days, it is coming out that information that it, whether you have it hidden or whether you have it on your info page, it really does not matter. Mark Zuckerberg knows your real name. He knows um, your phone number. He knows your address. He even knows your mother's maiden name because there's chances are you have your mother linked onto your Facebook page. He has some very critical personal information that he is, in fact, providing through that open graph. And that's the real uh, difference between the other social networks that don't have that personal information of yours in the first place. So Facebook has not only asked us for personal information just to sign up, but now it turns out that Facebook has, in fact, been sharing that information, whether you had it posted or not, on your info page. Yeah, and that's the disconcerting thing about it. Yeah. Like to have five minutes with uh, Zuckerberg and think about and just ask him what he was thinking at the time. Well, I know what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I know what he was thinking. He was thinking, how can I make a trillion dollars? Right. And and they are about, they are forecasting. I mean, he's already at almost 30 billion. They're forecasting he'll be made, he'll have made 40 billion this year. Um, you know, and, and then on top of which, when they change their settings every quarterly and make it so impossible for people to even understand what they're supposed to be updating because there's no information provided. We hear it third party through Mashable or wherever. It doesn't matter. You're, even if it was only one minute that you were exposed to that open graph, it only takes one minute for your information to be mapped. So <laughs> there's just so many layers to this sneakiness. That's their downfall, I think. Reminds me of a lot what Microsoft was doing in the early 1990s. There with all their integration and all their personal information that they were asking for. Well, even still, um, remember our conversation the other night. I, I just out of curiosity went on to my Windows Live, and which was a few years ago, right, that that yep. came out. And... There wasn't that online paranoia at that time. And we all gave our first name, everything, the same as Facebook. In fact, there's people who gave their employers information, all kinds of things. I never did, but I did go in there and I changed it. I couldn't even delete it if I wanted to. I could not find an option to delete. And the best I could do was make up a fake first and last name and remove every bit of information that I had on there. So they're no better. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say Microsoft knows better. But, yeah. No, well, they're no better than Facebook. <laughs> yeah, the the only thing I would say, uh, just playing devil's, devil's advocate, and I totally agree with what you guys are saying, uh, the only thing I'm going to say uh, from Facebook's point of view is the one thing that they're really struggling with, and I know this because I, I was a Facebook developer for several years, um, is just keeping the quality of, of users on Facebook. Uh, it's really hard um, 
you know, with some of the other social networks that maybe don't have the same checks and balances in to know that who you're talking to is who you're talking to. Like if you went to high school with a, with a Ted Jones and you find a Ted Jones and he, you know, how do you know that that's Ted Jones and not somebody who just went through the yearbook and, you know, created all these accounts and made a fake Ted Jones, like, well, you, or just, you know, just make a bunch of fake accounts. It's, it's, it's really hard, you know, from their point of view to keep the quality of users in, I, I think, uh, is a challenge that they're working with. And I don't think that this is the way to do it. Like, I don't think they, sh- they should be mining our data. No. You know, maybe this is their intent is to keep their quality of accounts right. But it's, it's not the right way to go about it. But, I mean, maybe that's one of the things they're thinking about. Well, yeah, you do need, like, okay, first name last name you don't need the uh location that should be right. optional right. uh you don't need the date of birth right uh you know well you know it's, it should all be optional i mean we could we should be able to put an alias name if we want all i need to do is change the display and saying okay this is an alias name choose to or yeah. choose not to show aliases right That's to cut right. down this the spam of different users like they, it should all be optional it's just I, I think that might be one of the things they're thinking of well being a web dev, web dev, and you've done web dev uh, development before, Dion. When you create a thing where, when you create a web application where you're going to have users, there's specific information you need, right? So, like first name, last name, you know, password, right? And of course, I mean the password when you put it into the database, right? It's all encrypted, but uh, you know, Facebook has gone overboard with trying mm-hmm. to get every bit of information. You know what? If I were a con artist, that's all I would do. I would just be that's right. Facebook. That's right. Because you just have everybody's information there. Exactly. And then how do you know now? I mean, when this first came out, though, in 2005, I believe, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was... Well, I know I was one of the first users on. I was as well. But, you know, we didn't have the sensitivity. We, I think that truly we were ignorant and in the fact that we saw this online worldwide web as an extension of our real world. Um, if I went to the YMCA and filled out a registration form and, I, and they would ask me for personal information, it would not even be a second hesitation. I would give it to them. Having a full trust that that information was going to be put into a database in their computer, the hard copy would be tucked away in a file, and you know their various advertisers wouldn't be then coming in in the night going through their filing cabinet to see what kind of users they have and what they like and how old they are and where they live. I think that's kind of the innocence that we had five years ago, when we not only gave Facebook information they asked for, such as first name, last name, location, email, phone number, ta-da, ta-da, we gave them more than they even wanted. We told them who our mother was. Please connect me to my mom. And my mom, of course, is going to have her maiden name on her profile because she wants all of her friends from 30 years ago to, to find her. And yeah, this is where I went to school, and this is when I graduated, and this is who I'm married to, and here's my address, and here's my phone number. And we gave all of our personal information, and 
these people who are saying, make sure you don't post information or post things you don't want people to see. We didn't post those little teeny bits of information because we were somehow narcissistic. We were innocent and ignorant. We thought that it would be safe. And five years ago, the privacy, the policy, which now is, I believe, larger than the Constitution, I've heard, um, was so simple and we trusted it. And over five years of time, it's been changed and tweaked and altered so many times. Now, like I say, it doesn't matter what you have exposed on your information page. That information has been saved for the last five years from Facebook. And now we have this open graph situation and a, and a huge mess, frankly, but maybe it was all maybe it all started with some sort of innocence even from facebook's perspective i think what to facebook's detriment is they haven't responsibly taken care of this they have actually made it worse by not addressing the users and by only it seems to me serving their real customers which are the advertisers that's how i see it anyway i don't know yeah no i think that's exactly it now you know the news is out there. Everyone knows the side of the box, but it's time for them to step up. Like they should have done, been on this day one. You know, maybe they made a mistake, but like at least admit it and let's move on and let's do something about it, not just sit on it and hope it goes away. Right, and because they have done so many underhanded things in these past five years, maybe I can't speak for the average user because I'm probably not. But my trust is so so broken now with Facebook and with with Mark Zuckerberg in particular that it just truly wouldn't matter what they did now. If as long as Mark Zuckerberg is in charge, I just don't want a part of it because he has just so disrespectfully done one thing after another to to break that trust. Well, that's the uh, other side of the coin. Facebook did start out. You know, as just a connecting people online, it was the biggest issue is the change in the privacy policy. Yeah. Which I, when I signed up, you know, was a reasonable privacy policy. And then it started changing. I started taking stuff off Facebook. And now I just basically use it as a link farm. Right, right. But now, I mean, it, even you as a very, very savvy user you probably are even accustomed to already checking your settings on a regular basis and but even you even though you have nothing exposed on your info page and only use it a limited amount of time the data that personal data it mark zuckerberg has it do you know what i'm saying and and as long as you're at risk of yet another change in the settings where by default you're going to be opted in to everyone, you're still at risk. Yeah, and that's why I've slowly but surely been removing all that information. Uh, granted, they have it stored somewhere in some mm -hmm. you know, computer, somewhere in a basement somewhere. But you know what? That's why I also encourage people to... Uh, you know, do a quarterly check for their credit data yeah. when you're talking about dealing with anything online. You know, yeah. 
worms. Uh, and absolutely, yeah. Worms and viruses, you can't be too careful. I mean, there are even people that say you should go a step further and, you know, do it monthly or mm -hmm. whatnot. But, I mean, that gets a little excessive. It does, opinion. but to it just it, it begs the question that why would you go to that great length of effort just to be on a social network? I can see there are certain times you have to um, provide that personal information if you're doing a credit application or something of that type, a registration of some kind online. You should always clear your history. You should always be very conscious of those things um, after you post that information for sure. But those are the type of things that maybe you could do it over the phone or by mail. Um, it's a convenience thing. But why would you want to take that risk just for the sake of being on a social network? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's just a social network. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, some people, it's, I don't know what they think sometimes. They just yeah. want to connect with their friends. Like my sister is a really good example. Uh, she's 18 years old, you know, and uh, some of the things that she's posted, I've, you know, wondered why she's posted that. And mm. I really don't think she sh should have posted it because, uh, you know, employers now, they check social networks such as MySpace, Facebook, Twitter to see what you say and what you do. They do. To see if you're going to be a problem or embarrassment. Yep. Uh, there was a lady in uh, Quebec that got fired because she called in sick and was posting things on Facebook for going to uh, somewhere to relax or something. I guess she was on stress leave or something. It was, I <laughs> need to look up the uh, article somewhere, it's somewhere in my big long Twitter feed. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, and that, that is true. And I think this has been a learning experience for all of us, myself included. Um, after this Facebook gong show, um, I deliberately made a new email that I have replaced with any emails that I have um, in various places online. I, I just, I have done everything I can to remove my app, my, my real identity online. Um, my first name now is Forever Vonnie. <laughs> it's not my real name. Um, I don't provide a last name. Um, if I absolutely must, I'd fill in no last name. That's my last name's name. Um, if I have to put a birth date, I make it 1911. <laughs> I just, I've gone to great lengths and maybe, and maybe it is even paranoia at this point, but I'd rather err on the side of caution than the side of ignorance because I think that we have learned that we're in this mess partly because of our ignorance and, and our innocence and all of this. The World Wide Web is, is not the real world. It's not like going to the YMCA. You're exposed and all kinds of things um, can happen, not just identity theft, like that girl losing her job. So I think we all need to get savvy. We need to get smarter and take it far more seriously than we have been. And that's an excellent segue to our next topic here, uh, talking about innocence and users and all that kind of thing. Uh, 
Let's talk about the new Canadian DMCA. Uh, if you listened to the last podcast, we had a very frank discussion about uh, the possible changes that are going to be coming up. Uh, legislation still hasn't been tabled, and I will be having uh, Professor Michael Geist back on the podcast. Uh, we had him on the podcast back in 2005. Uh, when the original bill, Bill C-61, was tabled in legislation, and then uh, we had an election which effectively killed the bill, and it had to go back to committee and everything, and now we're back to square one, where they're about to table the legislation again. So, uh, you know, uh, and it's getting to the point where you're going to have this interconnected interconnectivity with uh, Facebook and everything that you purchase. There's actually is a social network that will post your uh, purchases that you make off iTunes, Amazon, uh, whatever you happen to be. Did you guys even know that? No. Uh, yeah, I think it's called uh, Flippy. I have to check my email here. Can you spell that? B-I-P-L-Y, something like that. Okay. Um, just one minute here. I'll do a quick Google search. But, Dion, what do you think about the uh, new DMCA, which is supposed to be as restrictive? It's actually supposed, from what I'm hearing, it's even going to be even more restrictive than what the uh, Americans one is. Yeah. Well, my, my biggest thing, and has always been, is that... Uh, I don't want any sort of DRM or anything like that to get to the point where it actually affects um, our economy and affects innovation and affects you know Canadian companies that are that are trying to compete in this space. I mean, as soon as you get into that DRM area, I mean, is it going to be illegal for a competitor to TiVo to start up in Canada? You know, if someone has a great idea on how to manage, you know, your your media, you know, can we even do that in Canada? Are we, you know, we're here we are in a, you know, recovering economy and so on. And, you know, the last thing we need is to have more legislation telling us what we can and can't do with media that we buy. Like, I don't know. I, I That's my biggest fear is that it's going to put Canada behind the eight ball. Uh, in this, you know, in the technology sector, I mean, it, it could affect anything from MP3 players to to online content to, you know, the, the I don't know, just the store down the street. I mean, it could affect so many different areas. So that's that's my number one thing, um, because I'm a a very pro business kind of guy, and and I just I would hate to see businesses, in particular Canadian businesses, be affected um, by this. Uh, at the same time, I can appreciate. I can appreciate uh, the companies that are that do want to keep their content that they make secure. I mean, I worked in a small company where we had a lot of um, our own IP, and we wanted to keep it safe. Uh, we put whatever protective measures we could, but it wasn't extensive because we were a small company. So I can certainly appreciate where you know where artists are coming from when they want to keep their content secure. But uh, I don't think that adding a whole bunch of extra rules that aren't going to stop pirating anyways is the answer. 
Well, as I was saying before, with the uh, 1984 book that you were able to purchase on the Amazon Kindle, and then Amazon flipped the switch and took it away. Uh, you know, if you were to buy a hardcover book, they couldn't do that. You know, and things like the hardcover books, CDs, DVDs, they're all going away. Everything's going to be digital. And I, for one, I mean, you don't have the overhead for the uh, warehousing costs, the production costs, the printing costs. You don't have those things on a digital platform. Right, you don't have those costs. So expecting someone to pay, you know, nine ninety nine for DVD that they purchase online from iTunes is absolutely ridiculous. It should even it should even be a fraction of that. For example, uh, let's take Iron Man. Bonnie, you just wrote a post about that on your WordPress blog. Right. Um, you know, how do you feel about somebody telling you that you, if you have a, uh, media box hooked up to your TV and then your son wants to watch that movie that you have purchased on okay. his iPod touch okay. or something like that, but you can't unless you repurchase it. For that platform. Okay, so um, I have a DVD right now today. If I wanted, um, it, it I, would effectively I, I it would effectively make it illegal to take that DVD and rip it and put it on any of your MP3 players or you know burn it to a, a memory card. So you, if you have a special media device that plays that or cameras or whatever, it would effectively make it illegal to copy those things. Well, but I don't understand the difference between that and I remember your podcast, your last podcast, um, I don't remember who it was, but it was a very uh, inept analogy in that what would be the difference if I went to Kohl's and bought a book and then I gave it to my mom to read and gave it to my dad to read. I bought the book, how many times I read it or however many locations I read it in why does it matter? How is it different than that? Is it different? No, it's not. The difference is that they have a digital copy of it. And I mean, if somebody really enjoys the content, they will purchase it regardless. Yeah. And what if you're traveling? I mean, I can see why a person would put a DVD onto their touch, especially for traveling purposes. It'd be a whole lot to just watch it on your touch. You've already purchased it. So we could do that up till today. You're saying that that's changing? That could be possibly changing. Uh, in the United States right now, under the current DMCA, it is illegal to circumvent any copyright protection. Period. <laughs> so DVD rippers uh, that you could purchase legally, it's illegal to do, it would be illegal to do that. Oh, and what about the other way around? Like right now um, on iTunes, there is actually the option that if you, like I purchased Iron Man last night, for example, I could burn that onto a CD, I think. 
I've never done it, but I can I can see that there is a burn option right there on the iTunes. I know for uh, music, you can burn to a audio CD or an MP3 CD or something oh, like that. Okay. But I don't believe you can for movies. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, like I say, I've never actually tried either way. But would it be either way? Like, so let's say I bought music and I wanted to burn it onto a CD. I would have to pay for it again? You would have to buy the CD. Essentially, the law makes it illegal to, to bypass any um, DRM, any, any form of, of DRM. And, and the, the stupid thing with the law, at least last time around, and I haven't read the bill as much this time, is it, even if there is no DRM, if whoever owns the content says they do not want their content copied, then it's the same thing. Like it, it's it's for that the media exists in that device, and that's it. Like in that form, so it would make it illegal to you know to like you said take a DVD and copy to your iPod. Um, or, if, vice versa. I, I, or, or vice versa, unless wow. there was unless there was provisions in what you purchased. Uh, for that, for example, like you know, you buy an MP3 off iTunes, you know, and then you burn it to a disc. So there's that provision. But unless they specifically give that to you, it would make it illegal to do things. So, like for instance, uh, TV. I mean, the broadcasters don't own the content, so it could be illegal to record anything off of the TV. Um, so you couldn't record your show, and you couldn't take that show that you recorded you know, and put it onto your iPod again. Like, it's the same thing. It, it could effectively make TiVos illegal. Well, That's what it sounds like. Yeah, that's it. That's what we're talking about. I mean, you're not going to be able to enjoy the media that you're paying for one way or another the way you want to enjoy it. You can enjoy it in the own, only the only by the source of which you purchased it in the first place. Only the way that they tell you you can. Okay, so iTunes does have that provision that you can actually burn music onto a CD. So yay iTunes, because that's all I use. <laughs> but um, I'm sure there must be other outlets out there that don't have that provision. Well, are like uh, Napster, they're a subscription-based service. If you stop subscribing or say you had an emergency and like your credit card was maxed out and your purchase went, uh, you know, were declined or whatever reason, uh, all of a sudden your subscription library that you have gone. Bye-bye. Oh, my. <laughs> That's why I'm not a big fan of subscription-based service, which is what I feel that the uh, television – essentially is mm -hmm. right it's a subscription based service i mean in, in a way it's a bit of a money grab right like you know especially in this industry every few years you've got a new device right there's a new iphone there's a new gadget you know you know there's new something so i mean it, it's it's just i think it's a money grab right i mean we we buy the media content once you buy it say blu-ray uh you, you know you you want to take your your blu-ray on i mean like it, it just you can't convert it. You can't take it with you for future devices. So they they just, in a way, force you to rebuy it over and over again. Well, and that's what they want. I mean, mm -hmm. look at uh, syndication for television. Star Trek never became popular until it was syndicated. The actors weren't getting paid for it. The networks were making tons of money off of it. Mm. I mean, that is syndication. So 
I'm because I'm very quite ignorant to this <laughs> this topic, but it is my assumption that um, let's say let's say Robert Downey Jr. actor of of Iron Man, and so each time that media, which now can be just purchased once and then shared amongst different devices, if this in this new thing, um, if he, if you have to purchase it each time, you want to put it onto another device. Would he then get royalties each time? Depends on the contract. I doubt it. Okay. So who makes the money here? Who, like, what's in it for who? I I'm not the following. The money. The networks. CBC. CBC. The source. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it it also depends too. Like that's part of what that big uh, screenwriters uh, strike was a couple years back. Um, right. They they were wanting money off of the digital downloads and things like that because they weren't receiving any funds from anything sold on iTunes. So that that kind of thing. So it just yeah, everyone wants their hand in there. Did they win that? I... <laughs> yes, they won. Uh, they won a small portion. That seemed fair to me. What they were trying to ask for. Um, it was their talent, after all. That <laughs> well, I mean, but should you still be paying the same price as a DVD? No, I th- I think that that's a separate, probably issue than what they were striking for, or maybe it isn't. I don't, I don't know, well, but I just think that if, like, if I were to write a book, and um, I think that each book that is sold, I would. I think it would only be fair that I get some kind of royalty from each and every purchase of that book. And I don't think that writing a book really is any different than the craft of, of acting or, or singing. And it's not. And I mean, uh, there's a big thing going on right now with the Canadian writers. It, I don't understand where they're coming from because, I mean, if they want their content to be really, really popular, they should be trying to make it accessible to everyone and all they want is money, 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 money. Right. And they're so scared. And see, that is the one thing though with writing that it's, it's hard to copyright. Um, It's hard to steal a copy of Robert Downey Jr., but it's easy to steal a copy of a book. Uh, I think they're so scared of copyright with the internet being what it is. Well, let's look at the different formats here. I mean, you have, uh, regular books, printed books, mm-hmm. audio books. Right. Uh, you could, I mean, books get turned into movies all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as though people are, I'm sure there are some people pirating books. Of course. Uh, the same way that there's people pirating music. But, I mean, if you made it inexpensive enough that everyone would just inexpensive and convenient enough that everyone would just buy it agreed <laughs> then you're not going to be losing anything you'd probably gain really in the end wouldn't you think you would i mean look at itunes the mu- exactly the music companies have been making hand over fist money mm-hmm. and their app store too i remember when i switched um i'm i'm sorry if totally off topic but when i switched from being a blackberry user to an iphone user i was marveling at the fact that apps like for example the Skype app on Blackberry is $20 the Skype app on iPhone is free most apps on the iPhone are 99 cents many are free there's very exceptional apps that that are over a dollar and that's 
that's it. People don't mind spending a dollar. And same with their music. Most songs are ninety nine to a dollar twenty nine. And I I've been using iTunes for years for that reason because it's reasonably priced and I don't have the worries of viruses and everything else that comes with LimeWire and Napster, et cetera. Um, but it's, you're right. It's because it's reasonably priced and it's convenient and it's safe. Um, but if their songs were $4, I probably would not buy very many. If you'd buy even any at all. Right. When I could go rip one off for free, but I don't mind spending 99 cents. So I think you're absolutely right. Well, been an hour already <laughs> well, thank you both for joining Vani. uh thank you for having me just uh feistygirl.wordpress.com or just the geeky girl uh and i web <laughs> and i web there so uh we'll keep an uh, eye out for your uh blog posts uh keep them coming they're quite well done and uh, very entertaining thank you and Dion, I have to get you blogging or something. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta start a blog. There's yes, I have to start a blog now. Yes, let me know and I'll put you on my blog roll. <laughs> Sounds good. And I'm Trevor, host Option Key CA. Thank you all for joining us, and uh, we'll see you in one week. And we'll be talking about the. Oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, I will be having a special podcast this Thursday. Um, having a privacy professor on uh, Rebecca Her Rebecca Harold, uh, and we're going to be talking about the privacy issues and seeing what the actual legal implications are going to be against Facebook uh, south of the border. Uh, she's an American lawyer, but um, you know it'll probably work both ways as our privacy laws are somewhat similar. So great. I'm sorry I'm going to miss that, but I'm glad you're podcasting it so I can catch it up when I get back in town. Yeah, it should be good. I'm hoping to have a couple more people on there. So uh, hopefully we'll have another panel of three, four people. So that should be good. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Trevor. Yeah, I hope to have you back on again, Bonnie. Thank when you. When you have some time. Thank you. And Dion, you got to be more regular. Yeah, I got to get on here more often. Alright, thanks a lot, everyone. <laughs> this is the Option Key webcast. Stuff on Google. PC. Trev, you got Vista 64 yet? His router's piece of garbage on. Five years, and I bet you. So yours will be better right now for rendering, but the i7's.